random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the tin cannon string, all the way over on the best coast, west coast, we are joined with the creator of Savage Dragon, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Larson. Eric, good evening or afternoon. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, and I think welcome back, too, no? I think this is his uh, third or fourth, I want to say, because we've done – we did a quarantine one back in 2020. Mm. We've had him on at a con, I believe. I saw. Yeah. I, th- I know I talked with you when um, New York Comic Con 2019, the year before everything shut down, and people thought I was Chris Eliopoulos, which was a great, you know, great compliment. Um, All right. So, like, literally someone handed me a book. I'm like – do you want my terrible signature on it? I, I, I'm not him, but she's $45 signature, by the way. So what a mistake. Eric, how, how are you today? I'm, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right. Well, this can be expected under whatever circumstances. Now in regards, you know, it's still COVID. So people are still kind of, still kind of laying low. Um, I got my mother-in-law who's staying with us off and on, but and it's like you know she's she's in, in her late eighties. It's like I can't be running around doing all this craziness. So people keep asking like, "Hey, when are you going to show up at a convention?" It's like you know, we did signing talk- your copy of Aquaman is not from <laughs> uh, keeping my mother-in-law alive. So I got to play it safe. But Eric, I need that copy. <laughs> I know. I oh, know. you're the one. <laughs> well, you know, I need, I need Nova Number Two signed. Damn it, <laughs> it's a collection. That, yeah, it is. So, with all this, you know, you haven't been doing the conventions, which you are sorely missed. Like, I'm looking at like the lineup for uh, various cons, you know, that we both, you know, will frequent, and I'm so used to seeing you there. But I understand and respect your decision. Why? Yeah, I I just gotta be good. So, I'll continue. you know, jumping on an airplane at this point is not super appealing. Doing a convention where everybody's got a mask on also seems like that that would kind of suck. The entire um, time they're giving you like you know the raspberry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't want to be party to that. So it does depend on the show though, because I know like the bigger, bigger level ones they won't do the masking, or they no they will do the masking. Then certain ones like depending on state, it's like free ball. You know, it's like cool. Like yeah, yeah. Again though, you know I don't want to be bringing something home. And in regards to uh, you know. Well, let's just talk like con memories, but like one of my favorite things is literally going to a show and I'll like, you know, p- plop my recorder down and just sit with you and BS for like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And like, there is something special about that with the conventions uh, circuit. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And also, honestly, yeah, it's an excuse just to watch you draw, <laughs> to be completely uh, honest. Like, there's little parts <laughs> I'm like, ooh, what is he going to do right there? 
I actually have a fun, I have a funny story to tell you about um, your distinct style. Whenever I, you know, you're known for your artistic grip on the pencil. All right. And I rem- I'll, I'll go along with the gag. Sure. I remember watching you do that once. I had no idea of how you, you know, would hold the pencil. And I'm looking at him like, oh, he's doing that as like, you know, for like a free sketch or like a $20 sketch. I'm like, oh, oh, they're, hand- they're handing him more than that. Oh. And then I watched the video. I'm like, oh, I'm an insensitive ass. So. Uh. Awkward moments. <laughs> Eddie, how are you? You took that right <laughs> off of some other movie that I'm thinking of, uh, that insensitive ass comment. That came from something, um, and I'm trying to well, place where that was from. I mean, it might be uh, the Jane, you ignorant slut thing from Saturday Night Live. No. Which got my Facebook no. taken down once, fun fact. Oh, lovely. Ooh. Oh, the Zuck is so great. The Zuck lost us 20,000 uh, fans once. That was good. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. But I don't think we recovered from that, did we? No, we didn't. No, it's not back the page. I, 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 it would have to now be you, Eddie. But that's a that's a topic for another day that can handle that situation. Super Eddie, El Rescute. I don't think so. But Eric, in regards to you know just the style, like one of the things I love about that is like the uniqueness of the uh, the grip you have. And one of my other favorite things is the story you've told in the past about having to draw in front of a television audience. Like, I love that story. Would you be able to regale it to our audience? <laughs> it's so just, great. That was just... Uh, the problem with holding it like a like a orangutan or whatever it is, um, <laughs> is that it doesn't work under certain circumstances. And you like, so... You were drawing like a board or something, right? Well... Like an easel kind of thing? If, if I'm like having to draw and the page is straight up and down like i had to draw in front of a uh on a morning tv thing and it's just like it's a blackboard or something and i and it's like i I can't i couldn't i couldn't hold it the way i'm used to holding it on that so i just well like i'm just gonna hold it like a regular human being for the cameras and see how well this turns out and it worked it worked out okay because it's you know, there's still the same brain attached and all that, so that seemed to function, but good Lord, you know, a little trial by fire action there. And weren't you drawing uh, Spider-Man in the Peter Parker guys, too? And I remember, like, I think you said something to the effect of, well, the reporter looks like him. Yeah, the reporter looked—he wanted me to draw him as oh. a superhero, so— uh, Luckily, I mean, I'm not super great at likenesses, but he kind of looked like Peter Parker, so it was like, all right. <laughs> Luckily, I've got that guy dialed in, so I can kind of, kind of fake my way through this one. Yeah, plus, you have another drawing experience on, under your belt. Yeah, well, and it- and it's just the whole being on TV thing is always a little uh, nerve wracking to begin with, but. I'm getting more used to it over time. When I when I first would do that, and I have to be in front of a live whatever thing, I would I would sound like Catherine Hepburn. I would just be oh, <laughs> my voice would be all funky. And it's like, well, that's not cool. Nobody wants to see that. Well, it's, it's I'm good. fine now. Now that I'm old and jaded. <laughs> well, uh, on the on the positive side, it's good that you've gotten so many, however many times, experience being in front of the camera. 
Yeah, yeah. It's been a bunch at this point. And, you know, I believe uh, you're a part of the uh, Image Revolution documentary from uh, a number of years ago, correct? That's what they tell me. I have, I have not seen it. so It's a pretty good documentary. I enjoyed it, you know. And right. I believe well, it is available on uh, Amazon Prime to watch with advertisements. I'm, ne- I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> I, know, I know better than that. <laughs> now, I, everything, everything about it would drive me crazy. Every single little thing, I would just be like, that's not how that happened at all. And, you know, so anything anybody said, I'm going to be like, ah, annoyed at that. And everything I said, I'll just be like, who's that idiot? I don't, I don't like watching myself on, on film and stuff, so it's like, all right, I'm just going to skip this. And in regards to, you know, just image comics in general, I believe this year is the uh, 30th anniversary. Yep, that did in fact happen, somehow. What is it like looking back, you know, you guys like started a movement in the realm of comics and in turn became one of the biggest deals still to this day. Like so many image titles are top of the charts and they are a major, like so many of them become movies, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all in part because of U7. Yeah. <laughs> Who saw that coming? It's, yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool to be part of that whole whole thing. It's, you know, it's like, hey, we started something and it worked out all right. So, good job, guys. Personally, in the realm of like things from Image that I'd love to see get the eventual adaptation, I want to see Saga make the jump to either the small screen or the big screen. It has to at this point. There's just something special about Brian K. Vaughn's image in there, you know? Pun intended, mildly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that would be cool. There's a bunch of things that I think would lend themselves well to that kind of adaptation. So, well, speaking of adaptations, know. if I miss this, forgive me. But has there any, any any thought to putting together a 30th anniversary something regarding image and maybe with part of it being reflective on you, the magnificent or another word perhaps if that's copyrighted for the movie or whatever seven. Kind of thing, even if it was a, a, spoo- a spoofy kind of comic thing, I don't know. Can you ride a horse? Is what we're getting at. Mm. Um, at this point, uh, I think we've solicited up through December, so I think that window may have uh, <laughs> maybe over. But we, I mean, I'm doing a. We're finally getting big ass Savage Dragon hardcovers out, so that's pretty cool. People have been asking about those forever. Personally, I think it's kind of cool to see the Savage Dragon archives where they're in the black and white with the newsprint because Savage Dragon reads like a manga. It 110% reads like a manga. Like, you'll be done with the first volume within, like, an hour or two, you know, because of how fast-paced and how action-oriented it is. So to see, you know, something like that, that works as well, too, you know? Sure. And um, I'm, yeah, no, I like it. I like the black and white. I know there are people who've, who've been bugging me to do like, oh, can we do an artist edition or can we do something like that? And they want to see this stuff in black and white. And this is a super inexpensive way of being able to do that. Plus, I just like the, I just like that format. And by the way, on the subject of uh, artist editions, I have to say just you are the hardest person to find original artwork for, like the raw pencils. As someone who wants to do like digital linking, it is such a pain to find your stuff. Like I can off- maybe like see like an inked uh, sketch. I'm like, I-, I want the pencils. 
Give me the pencils. <laughs> like, it's... well, there's not a lot out there because uh, there just isn't. Because mostly I've been inking my own pencils for the last thirty years, and then uh, prior to that, there's a little bit. There's some. There's that uh, first job I ever did, uh, an issue of Thor. The pencils for that I've got on on uh, Facebook. If you want to go check that out. I'm going to give myself a reminder to check that out later. you telling me to make a note to remind <laughs> no, you? No, for me, for, oh, okay. for good old Peter. Like, yeah, I need, just I need... go to me and go to my photos and then go to the albums, and you can find all kinds of craziness. Good old Peter. You're mm-hmm. right. And in regards to just all of that stuff with uh, Savage, like with, uh, with the artist editions and stuff like that, I would love to see a Savage Dragon artist edition just to see the yeah. raw pencils and just like the evolution of it. Although I will say this on the topic of the archives, my only grievance with those is the fact I, I only own the first volume, but none of the covers are Oh, yeah, yeah, the there. first volume doesn't have covers. I was going to do they have them in future in, uh, editions? Yeah, in the future ones, there are, there are, we start doing covers. But in the first, I think, two or three, there are no covers. And then, they, and then I, at some point, they, we start going, oh, yeah, we should put the covers in there. Because also, one, the covers are gorgeous to look at. And two, they make for great chapter breaks, you know? Yeah, but I've got some weird situations, too, where I've got uh, issues where I want the last page to be sitting next to the first page of the next issue. In in one case, at least, uh, the last page and the first page form a double-page spread. And one other thing about, you know, just the Savage Dragon books in general, and, like, I believe I believe you've been approached about wanting, to, like, people want to see you do this. I personally would love to see as well the Savage Dragon letter pages re-released in, like, its own volume because there's some fantastic stuff in there, especially, like, just the history of comics in the 1990s onward that are being told by you and the readers. Yeah, you know what? You get the comics, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I I think there are certain certain things. It's like, huh. you know, I've seen those those uh, Marvel ones where they where they do all, like all the letters pages from the Fantastic Four or whatever. But those letters pages are two pages long, and some of those Savage Dragon letters pages are, they just go on for like twelve pages. And it's like I don't I don't know that the world is is ready for that much. <laughs> letters page. Well, I will in say, a, in, a, in one of the uh, Savage Dragon issues, I think it's around 2015 or 16, there was one month where there were no letters sent to the comic at all. And then in the most heartwarming thing, literally, I think half of that issue was letters. And I'm like, oh, people people love this comic. I love that. <laughs> it was it was heartwarming. Honest to God, heartwarming. I'm like, oh. That's the end yeah, of the was Yeah, that was a weird one. I did actually get one letter, but... Um, it was just there's this one guy who who writes in all the damn time and and essentially reiterates what goes on in the story itself and doesn't comment on it. So he'll be like, <laughs> "Hey, I got the latest issue, and Dragon did this, and Dragon did that, and Dragon did this, and Dragon did that, and signs his name." And it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I I was there. I don't I don't need this summed up. This is." What are you What are you doing? He's supplying the cliff notes for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, thanks, but you know, is there anything I can respond to in this? There, there really isn't. So, sir, you spelled dragon wrong. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Spelled Eric wrong. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> Why was there a Q and a Z and a square in there? I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe it was asked at the outset, though, Eric, when, you know, Savage Dragon first started, you had, I don't know how many issues ready to go from the beginning, and, of course, was the expectation of the longevity in your mind at that time, thinking, oh, I'm not sure how long this is going to last. Maybe we'll get a 50 issues out of it. I, I know the go, answer. Go back and think about that again and reminisce. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I started it off. Most of the early issues were all one-part stories, just on the off chance that everything went belly up. And then it was a while before I was really like, man, let me start doing part or three-part stories because you never know what goes on but you know I, I wrote and drew dragon comics when I was a kid so I had like tons and tons and tons of uh, characters and backstory and different stuff that I was that I could draw upon um, yeah and I, I kind of had a place where I wanted to to work toward so I didn't necessarily know what the hell I was doing, but I kind of knew where I wanted to get. And I really wanted, I liked the idea of doing a superhero story where characters just age and evolve and grow up over time. So I, I knew just from the beginning that, okay, eventually Dragon's going to have uh, at least a kid, possibly two, and then keep going from there. I wanted those characters to grow up and eventually push him out of the book. And in regards oh. to uh, the, you know, the early, early Savage Dragon stuff before the uh, 1992 miniseries, correct? Yeah. 92 is when it started in the 1980s. You know, you were doing random like Savage Dragon comics on your own. And then like mm -hmm. you did the, uh, I believe was it graphic fantasy. Graphic fantasy was the first time it saw print, uh, but even by then, I I created him when I was like a little little kid, so like fourth, fifth grade kind of thing. So um, by the time graphic fantasy came around, that was that was like the culmination of everything that I had been building up to when I was doing comics that were unpublished that nobody could ever see. So. That was ten, 10 years in. So at this point, um, you know, this year is 40 years since I published Graphic Fantasy and 50 years since I created the character. So That's so cool. I, lo I, love the, <laughs> I love the fact of everything with the dragon. And when it comes to the Graphic Fantasy and the other book that you had uh, reprinted last year, I believe, as the facsimile editions, I love, mm -hmm. and like, this is where DC does it right, and this is where Marvel fails miserably, is the facsimile editions. Because when you released those books, you used the exact paper style, you used everything in there, and you made it feel like it was the real deal. And then, you know, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was like, the graphic fantasy that we published was like the best copy you could ever find of that, of the original comic. In fact, it, it looks better than anything we printed. And if I, you actually are able to get a copy of that original, 
it, it actually looks pretty crappy. <laughs> well, it's the it's the punk rock DIY element of it, which I love. That, it's like you know we printed on this this tabletop offset press that my dad owned. We had uh, is using paper plates, and they deteriorated quickly. So there was a lot of stuff where the lines were breaking up and things weren't looking so pretty. So when when we do this at, at Image, I went through. A, a bunch of those pages and and redid lettering or copied and pasted uh, some letters from other things to fill in where where things were broken up. It's it's really a much better looking thing than than it had ever been. And then the cover was recolored using the same same color choices and stuff, but. You know, I can get the colors aligned this time and have it looking much better. So, so it's cool. But it but it does give me a start every every time I am looking through boxes and stumble across one of the reprints. I'm always like, "Holy crap! This shouldn't be out here." <laughs> <laughs> and again, I love that about the uh, facsimile edition because it feels like what it's supposed to. Whereas, you know, you look like I recently got my hands on the. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, annual number one uh, facsimile, and I'm like, this doesn't deserve glossy paper. Why is why does it look no. like this? You know, it feels weird. Yeah, it doesn't look like it at all. It doesn't shouldn't have glossy paper. It should have a spine because those things were square bound, and yep. they're sitting there doing saddle stitch with a stapler. That's not the way this thing looked at all. And meanwhile, like the uh, distinguished competition, they're also knocking it out of the park with their facsimiles. Where, like, you look at the the uh, two Neil Adams ones they did, the Batman uh, two fifty one and the uh, Green Lantern. My ward is a junkie issue. Oh, where yeah. you know, because <laughs> you got to do the voice. Um, like they have the exact style paper stock, and I'm like, it's it's the dorkiest thing to openly say. The paper stock is perfect, but yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what it's, I mean. It's important. It's important. These details are important. They, you want to be transported back to that time, and and you're not, you know? I feel like I'm one step away from turning into Patrick Bateman with the bone white uh, business card from American Psycho. Just like one step away from like, it's perfect, immaculate. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> they're not doing the, the big dots, so they're not emulating it that much. Mm. But it's still pretty um, close. Yeah, it's, it's as close as... You know, it, again, it's it's sort of like what what I was doing, where you're going. This is the best version that this could have been. You know, at the time, they were in, incapable of printing anything that looked nearly this good. But and when it came to you know, your version of nice. it, like you, when you went back to the uh, original material and like you know redid some stuff. Was there like a fan outcry from like certain fan, uh, parts of the community, kind of like with George Lucas with the uh, Han shot first and all that stuff? Oh, in terms of like what you changed, fantasy? Yeah, like if you know, because there are nobody, nobody noticed. Gotcha. Because nobody, say... nobody has the original. There's That's so a... <laughs> few of them in circulation that people can't really pull them out and put them next to each other and go, "Hey, wait a minute, that that black was breaking up." You went in and. In the interest Made it a solid black. What the hell? In the interest of Give fairness. Me my money back. Well, in the interest of fairness, Eric, you've been in the comic community for a number of years. I think you're used to little bits of fans like that. Just just a smidgen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a little bit that goes around. 
<laughs> Maybe other than a, a cost issue in trying to go back to the original material and stuff, I, I mean, who knows if somebody would try to pass this off as a real thing. And you well, know. I was going to ask, Eric, what are your thoughts on putting the number of the issue on the cover? Where do you put, do you put it on the bottom? Because I know someone who doesn't like that. What, what's this? Where? What do you mean? You know, you know the corner box. Yeah, it's on the top. We we have a we have someone in this room who does not like when it's on the bottom because he's like, no, Eddie. No, I'm sorry. It's on the top when I do okay. it. Good, very good. Stay yeah. consistent in that way, because yeah. yeah, and and depending on I've I mean I've got these two different formats that I do covers. My alternate covers I format them like a '70s Marvel comic. I love those. <laughs> I love the hell out of that. That's just what comics looked like when I was growing up, man. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, it feels like I'm actually doing comics. This is cool. Like, there's just something like there's something clean about that too, and it all it also shows that you're a Herb Trimpey guy through and through because like that that was the consistent style of his era of you know the uh, the Marvel books of him on uh, Hulk. So whenever I see oh, those, yeah. I'm like, he's a Herb Trimpey guy. I like this. I like this. I like this guy. <laughs> Herb was my gateway drug into comics, so. <laughs> I, I would love to own that one issue you did of Savage Dragon where it's the homage to your very first Incredible Hulk book, and, like, you had, like, how great is it to say you got your favorite comic artist, the guy who got you into comics, to do an homage to your first issue with your character? That is the coolest friggin' thing. Yeah, that is that is pretty neat. Pretty neat. And also, I I own the original art to that oh, issue mm-hmm. of the incredible hulk do you have so, do you have herb's original uh, savage dragon from that as well yeah do you have them side by side because that would be like the coolest thing to see too um I, I well he also did a recreation of of the 156 cover for me because that was before I, I didn't even know where I could find the actual cover of 156. It, it had been lost in the... It's in your back issues. Whatever. But I, I wanted to get the, the actual physical original art, but it was it was just lost. So I don't know who, who had it, but it eventually showed up uh, at Heritage, I think. So, But before that, I had Herb do a recreation of it. So now I can look at those two next to each other and go, well, the years were not kind. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, he didn't and completely nail it. You could, you could see that, that it, it wasn't the same, but still Well, I definitely agree with you since Peter had to bring it up. Putting <laughs> the issue in it's the corner sensitive subject for Eddie. is the thing to do because on the bottom makes no sense when you're trying to file and look for comics when they're standing up in your in your boxes. I mean, it was enough. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I understood the concept of in the left corner in that big burst, still only 35 cents. We'll move the issue number to the right side. Fine. It's still on the top. Maybe it's yeah. broken up in the, you know, the Incredible Hulk is broken up somewhere up there with the word, the letters of Hulk all smashed in bricks or whatever, but I get it. What I love is this is one of the few times Eddie's raised his voice in this episode, and it had to be over the corner boxes. You started it. I sure did. Peter Melnick, <laughs> Catalyst. <laughs> yeah, 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 I like that. I like that it's up there. I don't like that the price is being smuggled down in the UPC, so I got it. Oh, yeah. 
You know, it's like, where, how much does this thing cost? Where is it? What am I looking for? Forget. And if it's on the back, well, you know. Oh, no, it's even worse. Like, I know uh, a certain company that involves uh, a type of uh, equestrian uh, animal uh, <laughs> of a certain color. They did the uh, Frank Miller Sin City ones. And, like, you can't tell how much the book is. Like, you literally have to ring it up, and that's how you find out. It's not on the inside. It's not on the cover. It's not on the back. It's not even on the little flaps. So you oh, have, wow. you have to find out, you know, via ringing it up. It's like, choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. Now, in regards to Dragon with this year, what are some of your plans? Obviously, the year is almost over as of this recording. The year is on, almost over. On August 31st, 2022. But what are some of your plans with the Dragon this year involving the Image 30th anniversary? Oh, nothing. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know. I, it just seemed like we, we already did made a big stink about twenty five, and already made a big stink about twenty. It's like, do we really have to do this every five years? Make well, a, I feel the twenty fifth anniversary, yeah, is way more important than the thirtieth. It's like, obviously, you know, in terms of anniversaries and things like that with a marriage, uh, that's a pretty. Oh, honey, the twenty yeah. ninth is just yeah, as good. Yeah, yeah. well, I got that was. 30 years for me this year too so i got married at the same time that Whoa. we put out savage dragon so yikes <laughs> <laughs> it, it, these years you know they're all they all go ticking by and in regard uh, i was gonna say in regards to just a lot of the stuff you've done over an image as well like I'm a big Spawn fan, and going through, reading the books issue by issue, I ended up getting into the uh, 250s-ish, something like that. And the one I was most excited for was getting to experience your stuff. And I wish it was longer. I understand why it wasn't, but I wish you were on that title so much longer, because holy shit, your stuff yeah, was good. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of... Uh, I wish I was, too. I wish it was. Uh, I wish it was more fun than it was. Oh, the books were for me, for me, the reader. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is, is when, as the reader, um, you don't know what you're missing. The less said, the better is what we're all getting at. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, but, that's, that's the thing. It's sort of like when you're, when you're sitting there, uh, trying to figure out where to, how to put balloons down on, in a panel. And and as the creator who's doing this stuff, you go, oh, I spent so much time on that branch, and it's like the reader doesn't know. If you put a balloon over that branch, they they don't know that 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 there's an intricate branch underneath that thing. All they know is you can tell what the characters are saying. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two... You haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing. 
not a topping of your choice, or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. In respect to all the situations and stories that Savage Dragon has gone through, Eric, is there anything, maybe there's several, but maybe one in particular that you come to mind as being the most unusual or I didn't see that coming to this character along those lines? Um, I mean, he's come through so goddamn much. <laughs> <laughs> and not just but, that, but there's two Savage Dragons, so Malcolm and... Yeah, yeah there's, there's his son now is the lead character of the book, so that's switched things up considerably. So now I've got him, him running around. So Malcolm is, at this point, She's almost 26. They grow up so fast. Yeah, they, they really do. And he's got kids of his own who are, who are growing up real fast. Um, and then the, the, the Savage Dragon died a few years back. So I didn't even know he was sick. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> the, I mean, I keep having people go, hey, man. You should bring him back and have him team up with blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, but he's dead. Like, like, yeah, but it's comics. Like, I love that about your work. I I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that it's comics and we can do whatever we want. I want you to go. Hey, remember when Bucky was dead and he just stayed dead Mm -hmm. forever? And and people used to use the term Bucky dead. Like, (laughs) is he really dead? Oh yeah, he's Bucky dead. He's not coming back. And now it's like. Yeah, fuck you, dead my ass. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything anymore. I think you the can I- bring Bucky back. The idea of finality—well, the idea of finality with your work is one of those things that I absolutely love. And you know, we've said it on the previous time you were on the show, but how much of a big influence you were on Robert Kirkman, and still are a big influence. You know, to be able to see that level of. He'll ki- kill off a character, and he's just like, no, they have to die. And then you know, there might be that moment of. Ah, shit, I needed them for that one kind of thing, though, later on. Eh, oh, well, I'll figure something out. It's it's such yeah. a good exercise for a writer, for a creator. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. And every time that I've done some sneaky work around where I'm like, oh, I could bring him back in this crazy way, every time it's been like, yeah, but now they're alive. I don't have anything for them to do. <laughs> Their story in, in the in my brain was over. And now they're just taking up space. I gotta get rid of this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> and in regards to uh, overall with Savage Dragon over the last few years, what is it like seeing now, like in most recent years, my generation? You know, it's starting to be you know cyclical again. Like we're craving for the passive nostalgia. And like over the last few years, have you been seeing more and more younger folks coming up? Like this was my favorite character growing up as a kid. I loved the character. Blah blah blah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that, and and it's a weird book to get into when you're a lapsed reader because you're coming back to it and going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, everybody I know is dead, and there's a whole <laughs> group of different characters, and what the hell is going on here? It's not even set in Chicago; it's in Toronto. What what in the world? And I love that you, I think you're responsible for the, isn't it the second ever Canadian super team with Alpha Flight being the first? 
or is there another one? Oh, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, there may there may be others out there that I don't read every comic book. I feel but, like uh, I want. Well, you know what? Peter Melnick says they are the second ever. <laughs> Because Eric didn't All say right. it, I did. All uh-huh. right. I'll, I'll go with that. Send you your know, st- there's there's probably some some weird obscure Canadian comic book up there where the guy's just screaming at his <laughs> computer right now. <laughs> See, I was expecting you but, to say moose. I'm like, you know, he is Canadian. He's yelling at his moose. <laughs> so, but in regards to uh, anyway. Send those strongly worded hate tweets to at Peter Melnick, M-E-L-N-I-C-K, and I'll, I'll probably just ignore it. <laughs> but There you go. Anyway, in regards to overall with your career, one of the big deals in your early career was your involvement on Amazing Spider-Man and myself mm-hmm. being a big fan of the character and seeing, you know, going through everything. And Peter, you're going to be editing this part out. I've been, I've been over the years a big Todd fan, but eh, I get older. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yours is such <laughs> a breath of fresh air, man. I love the hell out of it. I love the bombacity. I love the uniqueness of how the characters look. And I've you know listened to an interview recently where the comment was, Eric has his own style. There are no Eric Larson clones because Eric is his own thing. And I love the hell out of that. You're not, you know, you're your own person. And people haven't even been able to clone you. Like, you know, there might be a Jim Lee clone or a Todd clone or a Rob clone. I've never seen an Eric clone, ever. Are you sure? (laughs) You're unique, and I love that. Well, I guess that's something. So now back to the unedited. Go back to the part. And going through the era of Amazing Spider-Man and seeing your stuff alongside artists like Todd McFarlane, Alex Saviuk, Sal Buscema. And by the way, I had messaged you. Uh, I did a fanboy message, as I lovingly called it, you know, with uh, your, you know, col- not collaborating, but being around at the same time as Sal Buscema as an active Spider-Man artist and seeing all of these different creations and characters and just how impactful your run was and still is to this day and just the reaction. And there is no question. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, hey, I love your stuff. So congrats. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'd say I'll do more, but I probably won't do more Spider-Man. I, I would love to. I know, I know you, you've, I've heard like an interview or read an interview where you like equated it to like, I mean, I'm, I'm happy doing my own stuff. It's, you know, going doing Spider-Man is like, you know, making a hamburger at McDonald's. But I'm like, that dude does menu hacks. He makes like the burgers like 15 times better. So I don't care. <laughs> so you found the hidden menu of Spider-Man. Yeah, on is. So to put it in yeah, a correct... Um, yeah, t- it's tough though. Tough though because you know you're. I'm so used to just being able to do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. To to go, you know, whenever I go back to Marvel and DC, even for some some little thing, it's like, oh crap! You mean you're gonna assign, you know, a colorist, or you're gonna assign a letterer, or you're gonna assign? And sometimes I do have some pull in there and some play and able to get things done but other times i'm just like ah man that's not what i wanted so it's it's yeah it's a different different thing to to lose that kind of control and were you surprised to see in recent memory uh i want to say it was during the ryan otley run or at least afterwards but uh dr octopus shows up and he is in the sunglasses and suit outfit that you did in your run and like, what is it like knowing that that is still like being something that is brought back every once in a while to this day? 
Um, that's cool. And I, I love that. I, 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 I would hope that that's what people would use because, you know, that was, I, I just think that was a better look for him than, than tights. Yeah. I thought that the kind of the Ramita tights that he was wearing for a number of years there, you just, you know, you don't want a fat guy in tights. It's just not, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about seeing him in the suit, though. There's just like something neat to see, and yeah, well, he it gives him more of a gangster vibe. Which yes, he kind of would have off and on in the book anyway, where he'd be hanging out with with mobsters and carrying, you know, guys would be carrying guns around and 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 stuff like that. And it's just like he feels more like he fits into that world when he's dressed in the suit. More threatening looking. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And this time frame we're talking about mid late eighties or very much just around nineteen ninety. Is that about when you were doing that, Spider Man? Uh yeah, really really late. Up up till ninety two, up till Image started. Mm-hmm. So that same year that Image started, ninety two, I was doing I had followed Todd on uh Spider Man, so well, then a bunch I, of my stuff there. Then I have to say without a question, Eric, I, I knew you then. Because around 92, right. 3 is when I kind of stopped, got out of comics for a while, and got back later. And in There reg- you go. In regards to, uh, for example, with Spider-Man, I uh, posted on Twitter the other night, uh, Comics Twitter, what is the one comic you read over and over again? And Evan Coy of the uh, comic shop in Oswego, New York, the owner and proprietor of there, used as an example... He has, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five copies of your Spider-Man number 15 with uh, Beast, and it's even signed by you circa 1991. Mm. So <laughs> the importance of go. these, you know, these issues for the uh, fans to even go up and do something like own a comic book shop is kind of cool to see. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm glad people are as enthusiastic about it as they were, you know, and they are. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, he's a, he Evan is a big fan of your stuff. By the way, when I told him like we're gonna have Eric on the show, he's like, "Wait, what? Really?" So <laughs> there's again, there's oh. just something special about like the uh, level of community as well that you've created with your work. Where Savage Dragon is still such a big deal all these years later, and to the point where you even did a Savage Dragon comic, a spinoff for the Savage Dragon, the Savage Finn cast, and even featured friend of the show Nick Justice as one of the artists in the book. Yeah, those guys put that together completely on their own, and they were going to just... Uh, I get, I said, you guys can have permission to self-publish and distribute you know, it, it amongst yourselves kind of thing. And then they showed it to me, and I was like, oh, crap, I want to publish <laughs> this. This is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that thing's a hoot and a half. And in regards to that, I have to ask, is it considered part of the canon of Savage Dragon? Uh, no. Okay. No, it can't be because there's, mm. there's, it, it's all over the place. Things in the book, in that book, contradict each other. So there's stuff in there that's like, all right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think uh, Malcolm's wife, Maxine, gets superpowers in there. And it's like, I, I'm not doing that in the book. So. It's its own thing, and it's just guys having fun, which is yeah. as it should be. 
and again, I love the level of community of Savage Dragon where there is a straight up Savage Dragon podcast called the Fincast. Yeah, that is cool. And it's been going for like 10, 15 years, hasn't it? It's been going for, for I thought this was to celebrate 10 years, so it must be 10. Is this something like that? I think so. Celebrating? I don't know. How many times have have you been on their show? I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's been a few, but I'm I'm not sure how many episodes I'm actually in. I feel like by this I point, know they, it's not not every time, but I feel like by this point though they need like a glowing green phone that whenever they have the ability to, they just pick it up and you're on the other end. Yeah, that'd be fun. And it's got a fin <laughs> as well on the handle. Of course. <laughs> See, I'm going to draw that later just to entertain myself. That's, that's very good. Now, before this podcast is over, I have to go back to the anybody that was hanging on that insensitive line before. The answer is John Candy, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. The insensitive ass line. Yes. We're very, very close to that. All right. All right. Go back, watch the movie. You'll see what I mean. Or here. Watch okay. It. But just watch the movie around Thanksgiving because that's the best time it's to the watch the movie. best time, two days before. Mm-hmm. Now, in regards to... What is next? You're also doing a lot of stuff with the character of Ant, and Ant is not a creation of yours. But what is the no? Most... Ant... Wait, Ant is one of yours? No, yeah, oh. it wasn't. I, I didn't create the character. Right. I was gonna say, like, what is the whole story about how you became involved with the character? Well, um, Ant was uh, published by another publisher called Arcana, and I was the I was the publisher of, of Image Comics at the time. And Mario Gully had pitched Ant uh, afterward to me as, hey, can we bring this over to Image? And I had reservations about that because um, in the Ant comic that he had done, Ant didn't actually exist as a character. Ant was sort of the figment of this uh, psychotic little kid's imagination. She kind of used it as, her escape mechanism when she was uh, basically, you know, she's been getting bullied at school and had going through a lot of troubles. And she had carried this, this uh, diary with her and she would draw little adventures of being aunt and being powerful and being able to do all sorts of cool stuff. But um, when he was, the, the problem with that is none of the superhero stuff, in the book, um, there was just no no sense of peril to it because it was just pages in a kid's diary. So you know, Ant could never really be in danger. And and so, you know, we we had talked a lot about okay, how could we bring this over and how could we make it work and what would be the process to do you know and me and a lot of it's me. To, talking through like okay your lettering's terrible we need to get you a professional letter you know this coloring isn't what it ought to be here's how this could work and here's how that could work and lining up some guest stars and stuff like that just me just getting everything as on track as we could to make it possibly fly so uh i suggested let's why don't we flip the switch so that flip the script and just have it be that now she's a superhero whenever you want to do any stories about her being a little kid 
those can be flashbacks, you know, so that you can still get those two elements you have, but now the real superhero can interact with Spawn and can interact with Savage Dragon and be integrated into the proper image universe that has existed at that time. So, you know, really there was a lot of talk and uh, thought initially of how to make it work. And then he did the comic, and uh, it did okay, but it didn't didn't set the world on fire. And then he decided, I, I should do some stuff at Marvel, and maybe that will get people talking about me doing Ant. But what ended up happening is it just had in, increased the time between issues, and it just got to a point where, uh, you know, orders just weren't strong enough to continue doing it, the book. So um, I said, well, you should... You can't just leave it hanging like that. You got it right in the middle of a story, for crying out loud. Can't you just wrap it up? And he was like, well, I don't know how I could finish it. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of this stuff. I've got these seven pages drawn of my next issue. Um, but I, I can't figure out how I could end it in 13 pages. So I said, well, how about this? I'll figure it out, and I'll... I'll even give you thumbnails as to how to draw this thing, and we'll just do it like that. So I sat down and figured out an end for his story and fired him over these uh, pages, and then he he sat on it and sat on it and didn't get around to doing it. And then eventually he came back and said, well, I got two problems now. One is I had a falling out with my collaborator who I'd been working on it with, so I can't use couple of these characters uh, that are that are in the story so I can't, I can't use them anymore and second the seven pages that I had that started it um, I've lost those files I've changed computers or whatever so could you do layouts for the first seven pages and figure out a way of bridging that <laughs> so it was like oh holy crap okay so then I did thumbnails for that and wrote that out and made it made it so that that made sense or whatever. And then it over to him again, time passed. And then he, he ne never got quite around to getting it done. And, uh, eventually, you know, he had been in contact with other people and stuff like that. And, and he hit a bad patch, uh, financially. And he was like, thinking of, I, I got to uh, sell my character. And the other guy who he had been collaborating with as a writer had offered to buy it or something. I don't know how that whole thing came about. But Mario just contacted me and said, look, I got this offer to buy my character, but if you'll buy her, I'll sell her to you instead. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, this is the furthest thing from my mind was, buying somebody else's comic book character. It just seemed completely foreign to my being. Um, but I thought about it. It's like, yeah, you know what? I've done enough thinking about how to do this character, and I've laid out this story. What the hell? So, uh, 
you know, I didn't dicker with the guy. I, you know, whatever his asking price was, I paid that. And we signed the papers, and now I own this character and several of the ancillary characters that were that were part of the the, the book. And, and you know, and, and so after a little while, uh, he 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 had said, "Oh." I'll finish that last issue just so I can have my run complete. And then that never happened. So I, I ended up just going, well, I'll just transfer that off and I'll, I'll do it. So I did that issue 12 that ended his series. And then eventually I was like, I guess I should keep going with this. But, um, the, the initial run on the book is kind of spotty. There ended up being five or six different writers over 11 issues, and every one of them was kind of coming on board going, oh, 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 that last stuff, that wasn't the real story. Let me tell you the real story. And then the next guy would come up on, no, 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 that stuff, no good. Here's the real thing. And, and it just was kind of, a, kind of a mess. There were pieces that were cool, but there was a bunch of it that... that didn't make any sense. Like you got to issue four of his initial story and he put a lie to the previous three issues of the book. It's like she kind of comes out of this trance of having this adventure in her head. And, and it's like, so the first four issues of your book don't count. That's not cool at all. So a, a big part of uh, me thinking about as a book was, you know, initially thinking, well, I got to keep just the numbering going because I, I hate that books renumber all the damn time. I just didn't like that. But, but it had come down to one, I'm going to, I've got to start her story over and put it in some kind of linear, coherent way. And two, it had been so many years since the previous issue that it just seemed that coming back, whatever it was, 15 years later and go, and here's the next issue, seemed really weird. So I just decided, you know, let's start over and make sense of it all. Well, because I remember so here we are. when the book uh, got solicited with you as the, uh, the artist and writer on it, one of the things that made me like, wait, this is a new character from Eric? And then, like, you find out the backstory. It's like, oh, that makes sense. You know, and yeah. the whole, the idea of, like, in in comics it's happened where there's, like, you know, a creator will work on a book and then the next issue won't happen for a number of years. But it feels like such a, you know, you got to start fresh. You can't, you know, just expect the readers to come right back, you know? Yeah, it, it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made much sense to just continue with it. Um, I wanted the book to start with as strong a footing as I could, and I think just picking it up with the old numbers probably wouldn't have helped. But mostly just because I was redoing the story from issue one and putting it in it in a in order that it just seemed to make more sense to start with issue one. So. Sorry, folks, but that's the way it had to be. 
Now, in regards to uh, your time as publisher at Image, you know, you've had to like have heard thousands upon thousands of you know idea pitches from aspiring creators. And what would be your biggest bit of advice to give to someone that has to pitch to a company? We keep it brief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the elevator pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, less is less is more. If you got if you've got pages to show, more, you know, it it doesn't hurt, hurt to send in more pages if you're if it's actual finished comics. But in terms of sitting down and and reading a pitch, don't get too involved. Don't get too flowery. It doesn't matter what your cover letter says at all. I mean, nobody cares that you've been an image reader for 30 years and that you love everything we do and everything like that. What matters is your book. You're selling us something. Show me what it is. And, and, and there's no point in keeping anything from the publisher if you're pitching us a book. You know, if you're sitting there going, oh, and you're not going to believe what happens in issue four. It's like, well, tell me. <laughs> you're, you're pitching me the book. That may help get this thing sold. It's, you don't keep that as a secret from, from me. I'm not going to blab. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. Now yeah, we- mostly it just, it just needs to be good. If, it's, if it sucks, you can't get in. That's really the, the bottom line in all this stuff is if we're pitched 10 great books, we'll publish 10 great books. If we're published, if we're pitched zero great books, we're publishing anything. Yeah. We've already got a bunch of stuff that we're already doing. We can continue that stuff indefinitely. If you want to be part of that and join the, the ranks and, and do your cool book here, Gotta be good, man. Yeah, 100%. Now, when we had uh, Jim Valentino on, we actually had this topic or conversation as well pertaining to pitching comics, and I thought I would continue it. I'd like to pitch my comic of Superman, but he's evil. Okay, are you calling it Supreme? (laughs) (laughs) Because that name's mistaken. (laughs) Well, now, he's really about America. Oh wait, that, that's uh, Homeland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the thing is, you know, you got to find a different a, a different approach. Is always the tough one. Is what can I do? That's it doesn't even need to be that that nobody's ever done before because that's often a high bar. Yeah, you know, but it's, you got to at least find a, a different angle on it. Now, what if his S was backwards? But he oh. didn't wear purple. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Eric, as always, it is an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on. <laughs> Couldn't you tell? <laughs> Before we wrap this episode up, Eric, how can people get a hold of you on them, our social medias? Jeez, uh, that's a damn good question. Uh, I'm, well, you got to be able to figure out how to spell my name. So it's Eric with a K and Larson, E-N. On Facebook, I'm just Eric Larson. And, uh, 
you know, Savage Dragon and Ant are the two comics I'm currently pursuing. It may sound like I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I totally do. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I don't always, you know, these anniversaries combined, usually what I'm doing is I'm playing for the anniversary issue, not as, not particularly the anniversary year. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, i got to come up with some something big for Savage Dragon 300, but that's a way off, you know. Uh, the 30th anniversary thing is like... A milestone. You, you know, it's that's a milestone, but at the same time, uh, you know, those you're going to have those birthdays. Those just crop up. So we're doing a Savage Dragon Ultimate hardcover books. We're going to start reprinting these things in full color. So we got a hardcover that's coming out. I'm assembling a huge amount of sketches right now, trying to put this all this back matter stuff in there. So it'll be a cool book. Definitely looking forward to that. Definitely. Um, oh. that, that's, I think that's all my plugs. Ant continues to be an ongoing concern. <laughs> Ants are always a concern, to be completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that. Hey, kids, comics. You know, that's Howard Chaykin. <laughs> I got a spinner rack. Eric, as always, thank you. All right. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eric Larson. I'm totally Eric Larson. And Last I checked, it was Eric Larson. And I'm Eddie Wilson. <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs>